0: Hey, you're listening to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and so want to make Him the centre of our lives, our community and our world. We're going to learn how to do that right now as we sit down
1: and unpack Sunday's sermon. Well, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> on a Wednesday. <laughs> Though I'm so thrown off, it feels like a Tuesday for me. Yeah. Because it wasn't even on Monday. How's your time off, man? Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. As lovely as it can be with three kids <laughs> on holiday. Change of scenery. Is <laughs> joking about.
0: For those who don't know, uh, Mitch, you went went on holidays last week yeah. with your fam for a couple yeah. of days. We're up to um, Nelson Bay. Yeah, up yeah. to Nelson Bay. And uh, I, I hear that you uh, saw some beautiful fauna
1: while you were out there. <laughs> yeah, I did. Saw some dolphins. Come on. Yeah, a couple of times. How good. So cool. Yeah. And they got quite yeah. close? It did. So we we're swimming at this beach called Little Beach, and they came in. To where the net area is, which mm-hmm. isn't that far out, like probably yeah. 10, 15 meters from yeah. us. Did yeah. a couple of like splashes and then disappeared. So, how good, how good. Yeah, and it was hilarious. Like, pretty much everyone on the beach, like, flocked over and had their phones out and running in the water trying to get. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I feel like um dolphins are universally loved. I feel like uh, like who yes. doesn't at least like appreciate a yep, dolphin? No. You know? <laughs> They're like the yeah. opposite of sharks. Yes. Sharks everyone gets out of the water, <laughs> <laughs> dolphins everyone gets in. So I
1: said irony is um if it been a shark it would be yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just add some teeth to that yeah, <laughs> dolphin yeah. <it> and
0: suddenly <laughs> it's a very different reaction. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, I'm glad you guys were able to have a nice nice little time away, man. Mm. It's important. It's important to rest, which is sort yeah. of part of this passage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, David. Yeah. Resting from his
1: enemies. From his enemies, yeah. 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 Sitting in a house of cedar. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty cool. Um, if you look at like uh, Samuel chapter 5. Um, when David actually takes Jerusalem, yeah, it's like this. Mad is it five chapter five? Yeah, it is chapter five. Yeah, it's this real. It's a sign of his prowess as a military leader mm. because basically the city's impregnable, and they sort of say, "Oh, even the blind and lame can ward you off." And so, mm. yeah, the fact that he's done that shows how blessed he is by God, mm. and that's sort of the idea of scripture: is that there will be peace, rest, mm. and like. Yeah, that kind of, the land is like a new Eden And now you've got the king ruling over it Bringing unity to Israel mm. In a sense, fulfilling that promise to Abraham And mm. being a blessing to, yeah, themselves Fulfilling God's Torah And mm. being a blessing to the nations around mm. them So it's a little little snapshot of what yeah. Eden, what paradise could look like yeah it's interesting I know you've said before sort of ancient understanding of
0: war was it was not just two you know ethnicities or tribes Mm. at each other it was two gods sort of coming Mm. head to head so the idea of David's, you know, army winning is not just supremacy of him, but supremacy of God and mm. God's favour over them. It's sort of this thing that I always need to come back to and remind myself, because I definitely do not view modern day war as a spiritual thing. Yeah. And ha- I mean, look, everything mm. is spiritual, like in its own mm. way, but yeah, definitely I think that most people would understand war today very differently to how they would have understood and yeah. viewed
1: war back in sort of, you yeah. know, David's time. Ancient time, so. Yeah, so the fact that he He's got rest from all his enemies It's also a bit like Joshua-ish language mm. Mm. So there's sort of those little themes Kind of popping up Of, mm. I mean, get these moments in the Old Testament narrative Of kind of what could be the future mm-hmm. And it's sort of like a bit of a I guess to, like I say, all answers in Sunday school, either God or Jesus. A little snapshot of what Jesus will do. Yeah. And so at this moment, we're like, oh, okay, this is what like a king's meant to do, Is was meant to be rest in the land. Mm. So I'm ruling from Jerusalem, the holy city. And mm. so, yeah, mm. that's so kind good. of where the passage. Yeah, himself. yeah, it's a, it's a
0: like inter- interesting moment um as i sort of mentioned you know on on Sundays uh, quite quite a few um very well respected bible commentators you know attribute this to being the most important passage in the yeah. old testament. Um but yeah, it is a kind of confusing prophecy in some ways because mm-hmm. um it sort of is pointing towards Solomon, yes, <laughs> like David's actual <laughs> yes. son. It's sort of pointing towards Jesus Yeah, There's definitely parts in it Where it almost seems like it's pointing towards neither as well So it'll be interesting yeah. to kind of unpack that a bit Because, um, yeah, yeah well, it, It's not so sort of, um, you know, f- cut cut fast and, uh, and dry It's right. a bit of um,
1: sort of wrestling That you need to do with this passage yeah. as well um, So David, I guess <clears throat> what's important And you did speak about this on Sunday, Mari But it was a re- like in the ancient world Temples were super important. Mm. They were well the connection point between heaven and earth, the mm-hmm. place where the gods lived. And so David's doing what was quite normal culturally in yeah. the ancient world was that you build a temple. Yeah, you know you've conquered the land, you've established a, a palace. Mm. Now you got to have a temple for the god. And mm. yeah, it's kind of like what you said and that like, question you asked the audience about how do you uh, discern God's will mm. is. This seems like the right thing to mm. do. Like mm. good intentions, yeah. yeah. This is what everyone does: is you build a temple, and it's yeah, yeah. It's and and Samuel, because because obviously you got Chronicles and Samuel, and Chronicles sort of tells the same story mm. as part From of Samuel a different and King's, angle. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chronicles actually tells us in one Chronicles twenty eight that the reason that David doesn't build the house is he's a man of war and shed blood. So that's one Chronicles twenty eight three. But and so it's easy to go, oh, that's the reason. But Samuel doesn't give us mm. that reason, and mm. so, and that's a deliberate like thing. The authors made a reason yeah. not to include that. Well, Chronicles mm. has mm. to kind of give us more background. But, mm. Yeah, it it is almost like that. What's the word? I want? Wrestling of like yeah. what seems like a good thing. Yeah. God isn't like that. Yahweh isn't like that. Yeah. So like the sacrificial system. Mm. Lo- lots of other nations sacrificed to Mm. the gods but yahweh it's different like same same but different so it's sort of showing that like to be a king of israel is the similarities Mm. the similarities to worshiping yahweh yeah but there's also like big differences so that's yeah part of what this is about well yeah
0: definitely that idea of david being a man of war and his hands kind of being marred with blood and making him an inappropriate choice to build the temple Mm. and i think there's Wrong person <laughs> and also wrong time. Yeah. If you yeah. sort of literally just go forward to the next chapter mm-hmm. in 2 Samuel. You see, like, Israel is back at war with its neighbors. Like, the war hasn't actually finished. Mm. There is this idea of rest from enemies in the same way that God ceases for a day. (laughs) And then there is work to be done again. Mm. So I think that's really interesting as well, Mm. that God in his infinite wisdom um, sees it not just as a thing of David not being the right person, but it not for Israel being the right time Mm, for them to build this temple. And yeah, it is really interesting. You sort of see this idea of temples in pagan cultures being built to sort of almost win god's favors Mm. a little bit like there's a bit of a bargaining or a barter Mm. a back and forth if i build this for you you'll do this for Mm. me uh which we obviously know isn't how god works Mm. um but that doesn't really seem to be that you know david's motives are necessarily wrong there i'm not seeing that in the text and the fact that solomon does build the temple and it's framed as righteous yeah does point towards it that, Like it's, it's not a bad
1: thing No <laughs> It's just wrong person Wrong time Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's a, <clears throat> a great object lesson Which is to point to Yeah As Many commentators Know the The most important passage In the Old Testament Because it sets the framework For How the Israelites view Like themselves The role of a king mm. How they're exiled And mm. Yeah We're chatting Before off air Just like A couple of examples from Psalms. So Psalm 2, like it hits off why the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain and talks about the kings of the earth rising up and Yahweh laughing at him. And it says here, this is from verse 7, I'll proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I'll make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You'll break them with a rod of iron and dash them like pieces of pottery. Like There's, mm. there's recognition here that the kings are rebelling Yahweh, ways like <laughs> what are you going to do mm. and then there's this focus on like a son mm. and yeah the son of god in hebrew this, the word son is ben like, mm. like benjamin yeah, son of my yeah, right yeah. hand yeah. ben yeah. anyone called benjamin just means son of right hand or ben's so that's just the hebrew word for son and yeah son can be like a like asher is my son marcus yeah. is my son george is yeah. your son or yeah. in hebrew could be like sharing a characteristics of mm. someone. So, mm. yeah, it's like interpreting kind of scripture, it's easy just to jump to Jesus. Like, oh, I talks to Jesus. Yep. Like, yes, that's the yep. ultimate fulfillment. But there's a few steps forward to that. Mm. An example here of Psalm 2 as you are my son today, I become your father. Well, Jesus says, well, he quotes that and identifies himself mm. as that. And the book of Hebrews does that too. But the the, the son of David, essentially, the kings of Israel were meant to, God's son I'm using son in yeah. a commas of yeah, like yeah. representing the characteristics yeah. of God they were a son in yeah. that sense not necessarily biological mm. but because yeah. there's even I remember reading somewhere about different kings that were like the son of a different goddess Yeah, they recognised that he shared the characteristics of mm. that pagan goddess not necessarily he Yeah. so yeah. that's how that's how it was sort of like meant to be ultimately fulfilled mm. in Jesus but mm. there was this idea that the son of David mm. Wood, uh, and yeah and that's tied in with yeah. 2 Samuel 7 too this sort of son of like yeah Solomon mm. but also other grandkids ultimately pointing to Jesus and so yeah Psalm 2 that's just one psalm that's obviously framed around mm. um, 2 Samuel 7 and one that's an exilic psalm so Psalm 89 a masculine which have a little footnote probably a literary or musical term. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's really helpful. We don't really it's, know. <laughs> it's, it's painting a really uh, yeah, definitive yeah, yeah, yeah. picture there for me. A masculine, Ethan the Ezraite, well, I don't really know who he is, but <clears throat> he starts off with like this, singing God's praises, and then he recognizes, he says, you know, you have, this is from verse three, you said, I've made a covenant with my chosen one. I've sworn to my servant David, I'll establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. And then he goes on about praising the Lord and all the wonders he's done. And then he's sort of like, hey, y- y- you know, it says if if your sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, I by my decrees, I'll punish their sin with the rod and their iniquity with flogging. It's interesting. The psalmist takes that kind of curse part mm. of 2 Samuel 7 mm. and sort of third personized. instead of saying he, he says there. And mm. so recognizing that, okay, mm-hmm. these sons of David have committed crimes mm-hmm. and they're being punished for that. Yeah. And he goes on he says, But you've rejected, you've spurned us. Like, hey, essentially how long, Lord, will you hide yourself? How long will your wrath burn? Like what, Lord, where is your former great love? Which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Like it's sort mm. of recognizing, Yeah, you gave us this promise to David. Mm. You told us if they're sinful, they would mm. be punishment but okay, we've been punished now. Yeah. How long? So yeah, yeah. that's just a great example of how this idea yeah, of <laughs> son, <laughs> what does son mean? so yeah. important for, yeah. and, and it frames like, yeah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the yeah. prophets, mm-hmm. like it becomes that framework for scripture. Ultimately, well, Jesus mm-hmm. comes in as the son of David, with yeah. the kingdom of God. So that's why it's so important for well, the Bible.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, and what you're pointing to, and I think that's so helpful um, to understand. You know, this idea that son goes so far beyond, you know, sort of biological. Mm. And I think we understand that a little bit. That you know, maybe that a uh, Samuel was seen as Saul's son in mm. inverted commas, yeah, and yeah. you know, there's you know, these different moments. You know, uh, Samuel mm. himself is sort of seen as sort of Eli's son yeah, a little yeah. bit in a way. Um, but this idea of son even going beyond to be sort of like a people of, mm, you know, mm, um, yep. but the word son in the singular sort of yep. can mean a broader multitude yeah. of a much further family line mm. of this word son is a very sort of a flexible it word is, in yeah, this yeah. context. And I think that's really, really yeah. helpful to understand then how, yeah, this prophecy yeah. Um, is about Solomon is about jesus it's also about you know a bunch of sons (laughs) in between those two I think that that starts to help us unpack that a bit more because, mm. I mean, yeah, the one sort of passage which is really kind of confusing mm. when we look to is this idea of, like, I will flog him. I'm just trying to find the um, the actual passage. Uh, oh, those, punish. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, verse 14. Yeah. I'll be his father. He'll be my son when he does wrong. I will punish him with a rod wielded mm-hmm. by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. We go, okay. Well, Solomon, David's son, literal mm. son, is not punished with a rod wielded by men, even though he oh, does wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is punished with a rod wielded by mm. men, even though he does no wrong. Yes. So you're like, well, who is this talking about? <laughs> yeah. Neither Solomon or Jesus yeah. have experienced this full doing wrong and mm. then being punished with a rod wielded by men. But it can be more this idea of the line of David yeah. and Israel.
1: And that's the interpretation. I guess the interpretation that Psalm 89 makes, if his sons forsake my law. So he's not quoting it Mm. directly, but it's interesting he recognising that son language is used sort Mm. of Multiple, not just mm. one. So mm. that's where the Psalms can be helpful. They almost act as commentaries. Yeah. And some of the prophets' commentaries on some of the narrative. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It gives, yeah, gives us a little
0: insight into like the text no, we're it. reading. So right. good. So good. I think it's really interesting when you start looking um, at this passage as well. Because It does, I think, for the first time, bring in this idea of an eternal kingdom, an eternal Mm -hmm. throne. We definitely, you know, Genesis 3.15, you have this idea of a seed of Eve crushing Mm. the serpent's head and the serpent striking his heel. You definitely in Deuteronomy get, you know, Moses talking about someone who will come who is righteous and someone Um. who will, you know, prophesy and speak truth. Um, But this idea of an eternal Uh. throne, an eternal kingdom... This seems to be really it's, new language in the biblical story when we get yeah, to two Samuel seven.
1: Um, I'm just finding because in Genesis 49, the um, Jacob's prophecy over yeah. Judah is, um, the sceptre will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of nations shall be his. Yeah, and so there's so there's that recognition that Judah, the line of Judah is meant yeah. to have the king come from, and J- yeah. David's obviously from the line of Judah. Yeah, but there's nothing. It, Eternal. No, there's there, it's definitely... A, it's more like a succession. Well, like, Judah's going to have the line of kingship. Yes. But you're just thinking, like, our oh, a king will die, then the sun will come out. take yeah, it, yeah. yeah. And so et cetera, so forth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: No, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So we've got this idea of of a prophecy which points to Jesus, mm. but also points to other people before him yeah. as sort of su- um, not successions. He's the successor, <laughs> but as people as preambles maybe mm, yeah, to the yeah. to the main event. Um, so really, the the big prophecy that points to Jesus himself in this passage is like verses 11b to 16 it's really not that long at all so i was thinking do we want to quickly just run through it and point Mm. out because there's various ways in which it points to jesus it's not just one statement so from verse 11b the lord declares to you that the lord himself will
1: establish a house for you yeah do we want to talk about that because interesting language because jesus never talks about a house He always talks about Building a kingdom And so I always say The house is a play on Temple Yeah And so Which Jesus plays on as well Yeah he's a temple So yeah. the language of house I find it's interesting Yeah stuff. But yeah Clearly you see it Like Jesus um More well John 2 Great example When he Cleanses the temple, in John too. He yeah. Says, "Hey, in three days, you know, tear down this temple in three days, I'll b- raise it up." And they're yeah. like, uh, "What are you talking about, man? It yeah. Took forty six years to build this thing." And-, yeah. and again,
0: it's John, sort of in his classic little John style, yeah. his little sort of asterisks going. Yeah. They did. They
1: realized later. Yeah. <laughs> when, after he's, he's resurrected, and so that becomes, yeah, like the hermeneutic done. Well, sorry I shouldn't use that word hermeneutic. Hermeneutic means the way to like <laughs> interpret. It's the yeah, fancy yeah, way yeah. of saying yeah, the way yeah, of yeah. understanding yeah. John. Yeah is through the resurrection. Yeah. And so that's how the Old Testament's meant to be read. And so if Jesus is the temple, like he's established mm. forever. yeah. Uh, and Revelation talks about that. Like there's no temple in the heavens and the earth because the Lamb is there, Jesus yeah. is there. And yeah. so there's an establishment of this eternal kingdom, mm. which is what, yeah, Psalm 2 and all that sort of was hoping for. The, the king, the son of David yeah. ruling over the world. It's somewhat ironic, isn't it, that like when you again look
0: at this passage in full sort of light of mm. Christ that David says I want to build you a temple essentially yeah. and God says I'm going to build you a temple. Mm. And like kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, it's a household. household, you know, they're you know, using yeah, this yeah. word, house. but he does build David a temple yeah. and builds it through his offspring mm. and his offspring then become that temple. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh dude, that is like so much further than you could possibly yeah. imagine yes. that like, no, like you're going to build me a, an in inverted commas, yeah. house. house yeah. You know, I'm going to build you a household. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, this idea that it is that household, that line of yours mm. that I'm going to build that will be the ultimate temple. Like, how could you possibly... Foresee that, that. that and fathom that. Yeah. Like, that is just insane. I feel like there's so much just in that. That's that's a sermon in it itself. <laughs> just on verse um, 11. So, 11b. 11 11 yeah, yeah, not even the whole <laughs> verse. So then um Nathan continues to David, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. um Right there, I kind of mentioned it yeah. a, a little bit on Sunday, and you very rightly kind of challenged you like, Oh, what's the original Hebrew? And I sheepishly answered, I didn't look it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did look at the interlinear. I just trust these commentaries blindly sometimes, Mitch, which I shouldn't yeah. do. Uh, but thankfully, this was a, a trustworthy yeah, yeah. one. So the word is um, like, I will raise up. Qum is sort of the Hebrew, which mm. does sort of very much go to to arise, stand up, stand. Mm. This idea of not just establishing and building, but really raising up. Yep. And, and, you know, we see this word then used throughout, the, you know, the Old Testament yeah. in that way. So there is... Maybe a little bit of a sneaky little, yeah. you know, I don't know, suggestion there or echo prophecy in and of yeah. itself of the way in which Christ's, well,
1: you know, legacy will be. And I think too, you can, and this is what, um so the book I've been reading from Richard Hayes about how to understand the allusions of the Old Testament in yeah. the Gospels. And that's what he argues in like his chapter on John is you have yeah. to, you can only understand the Old Testament now in light of the yeah. resurrection. Yeah. So. With that kind of framework, you read that and you think, "Well, yeah, that's literally what happened." <laughs> yeah, God. Jesus was raised up. Yeah, yeah, and and, the, and yeah, and he established the kingdom for sure, for sure. Yeah. And then, so um, yeah, I'll
0: raise yeah. up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh mm. and blood. I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Just read read the opening chapters of you know Matthew yeah. If, yeah. if you want to yeah. see that. Um, I will establish his kingdom. Um, again is maybe going to take longer than I thought it would <laughs> establish his kingdom L- mm. let's talk about that the obviously Jesus talks yeah. about the kingdom of God the kingdom oh, of heaven yeah. depending on what gospel yeah. you read um, what's
1: what's going on here with when he's saying I will establish his kingdom yeah um, it's super interesting language isn't it because we feel like well David has a kingdom so it's I'm always saying it's like a bit like future mm. like Obviously there's a future element mm. To it about Because there's this There's going to be this um, Not ancestor, descendant Yeah, 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 that's, that's, yeah. Who's going to do something different And so let, mm. let's say like Solomon He is the, the I guess the only son of David to not fight Really, like he has peace Essentially, well for most of his rule But let's just say for argument's sake That he has peace Yeah he brings in what Eden is, and so that his, this kingdom that Solomon has, it's foreshadows of what Jesus would do. This this kingdom of peace mm. of well, that's what Sh- Sh- Shlomo or Solomon's name means, like pre peace. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, whereas we look at it through like Jesus, like resurrection, like yeah, the framework of that, like looking at. The Kingdom, the time, like with Jesus in Mark, he says the time has come, the kingdom of God mm. is here, or you know, it, it's Jesus is establishing that there's mm. it's a now, not yet mm. time, yeah, yeah. That. a kingdom mm. of, of heaven and earth, mm. I guess, yeah. as well.
0: That's no longer just limited to mm. one city <laughs> in the Middle yes. East, but the yeah. whole earth <laughs> will incorporate and, that, and, and yeah, that so, um, verse 13, he is the one who will yeah. build a house for my name, and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. I mean, that has a, again, we've spoken about the flexible use of the word son, but once again, this has a whole deeper and more profound meaning. Like
1: that Psalm 2, like it quotes from that. Shows you how important that is, this almost adoption Mm. language, which again, sort of ancient Near Eastern view was the kings were the literal images of god yeah they believe that they were the son of god yeah in that sense so yeah yeah here's this like adoption language yeah. of yeah the king will be like yahweh in a yeah. way but I also mean, literally be <laughs> god too through jesus so
0: yeah I, I mean just to go on a quick yeah. tangent but i love that little thought of what it means to be children of god because yeah. i think so often um, when I hear that phrase I think about what it means for God <laughs> Yes. Like, oh, okay, I'm a child of God So God has adopted me Like, yeah. I'm just kind of sitting here In this, you know, sort of inactive state Eating mm. potato chips on the couch And he's adopted me But yep. actually there's this um, sort of you know, back and forth mm. that, okay, he's adopted me, but I'm then called to be his image bearer. Yeah. And what does that mean to then reflect his characteristics mm. and, and his, you know, heart, I guess. Yeah. I, th- I just think that's really yeah. cool. Um, so a little tangent there, but mm-hmm. so I'll be his father. He'll be my son. When he does wrong, I'll punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. Now this does seem to in part allude to Jesus yeah. crucifixion. Definitely. We're saying this idea that um, when he does wrong, even if we're talking yeah. about this flexible use of the word "son," well, mm. when Israel does wrong, <laughs>
1: yeah. I will
0: I will punish him with a rod. word by
1: it is that a little bit
0: isoghetetical, do you think? Or? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, look, I, I'm yeah. This sort of the Psalm eighty nine sort of view is because it says here from this that if his sons forsake my law and do not. Follow my statutes; if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I'll punish their sins with the rod and iniquity with floggings. But I will not take my love from him. Mm. And so, like, it's not a direct quote per se. Yeah. But you can clearly see where he's riffing off, yeah. like two Samuel seven there. Yeah. So, yeah, this ultimately scripture points to Jesus. That's like, yeah, uh, like I subscribe to what's called a Christocentric interpretation. That scripture points to Jesus. That's how Jesus mm-hmm. taught scripture. Yeah. But yeah, you, but also, too, we have to read each passing Old Testament for its immediate context. Yeah, and So the classic example is Isaiah 7. Behold the virgin shall conceive even give birth to a son, you shall call him Emmanuel. Yeah. It's talking about a child born in, in the, Assyria, the Syria-Israel crisis. Like, there was a literal child called Emmanuel. He was a sign that the enemies of Israel were defeated. But... Yeah. It's ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Yeah. So,
0: which is interesting, you kind of see yeah. almost both of these yeah. working in a similar way. Yeah, but yeah. it's like it happens in the moment, but this but is almost a foreshadowing, yeah. a foretaste of what is to come in Christ. So,
1: so what I like about Psalm 89 is it identifies the Son as like they, they. Yeah. And so that sense of like, okay. When he does wrong, I'll punish him with a rod wielded by men. And we know that. That's what King's tracks, the descent yeah. of David's line to exile. And yeah. then you get to... I always forget it's Jehoia Kim, isn't it? Yeah, he's the one yeah. who's in charge when yeah. they're finally exiled in five eighty seven. It's too many yeah.
0: do, you know, do you know how I remember it? Jehoia Chin is the one who wipes the wine of the king for his chin. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's how I remember it. That's my own little like yeah. made up thing. Yeah,
1: Jehoya, I just think I just think our Chin as R oh, C becomes comes before K. So Chin oh, yeah. was taken and Kim is the yeah. one that was yeah. Um yeah, so when when that finally happens and the exile, like we said, that's sort of the almost the fulfillment of that, and that's what the like say Psalm eighty nine and those exilic psalms are yeah. like. oh, like okay, we know that that was a consequence of that. Yeah. How long is this going to last for? Mm. And yeah, that's what like the book of Haggai sort of taps into a bit. probably will be a signet ring for me. Like, yeah, okay, the temple maybe not as grand as it was in Solomon's day, mm. but the line of David's still there. Sure. That's what Matthew's doing essentially. is saying, like, we've gone from the glory days of Abraham and David. Yeah. And it's like, well, we don't know how half of these random <laughs> people are in Matthew's yeah, genealogy. Yeah. yeah. Like, Joseph is, he's technically royalty, but like, mm. he's not, like, not a powerful figure, so no. to speak. So, yeah, that's the, the promise. Yeah, what am I try to say the the punishment there obviously has that exilic sort of idea, but it's mm. not going to go forever because we're told. But my love will never be taken away from yeah. him, and that's the important part. It's like there will be punishment. Mm. So like, yeah, the the grandsons of David who do wrong are punished, and yeah, yeah they are. There's mm. Babylonians come in, the Syrians, there's Assyria, lots of lots of enemies, like yeah, 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 for for their wickedness. But the the unlike Israel so when um Manasseh who's Solomon's son takes yep. over and he kind of says you know the people begging like oh your, your father was so difficult with us please you know make us easy yeah, and he's yeah. you know his friends tell him oh you know my what's he say like oh my I'm gonna be fatter than like my father like anyway basically yeah, yeah. he says he's gonna make it even worse yeah you think, you thought worse. my father was bad yeah, wait yeah. till I'm, I'm gonna be twice injured. as he's bad like, yeah he says yeah. this really stupid thing to him and, and, and then the ten tribes split yeah. and you get um Gosh, I've had a complete mind blank. Who's the first um, king of Israel. Anyway. The first king of first Israel. First king of Israel. Oh. Um, uh, um, son of, he's the son of Nebat. That's terrible. I should know that off the top Sorry. of my head. I, I don't I did. know it off the top I, of my I head. Did, head. I, did, I, did, like a, I did an essay on this.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, Every, everyone's this. just like yelling at us right like, now. Like, oh my
1: goodness. I <laughs> don't know who. Ah, uh, but, um. Uh, you're gonna find that for me. No, nah,
0: I googled it and it said Saul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Ish Ish-bosheth? Uh, Jeroboam. That's it. <laughs> Jeroboam. I knew I would remember. <clears throat> just you know, you know, the brain ticks over. Jeroboam, something yeah. there about. That's it. So yeah. Jeroboam becomes the first king yeah. of Israel. And essentially- I'm just gonna stop
0: for a second. We could edit that out. Well, Wait. we could be honest <laughs>
1: and leave it in. We're <laughs> to yeah. leave it in. It shows us that we're, you know, we're human and don't know everything. Even though we have laptops in front of us. Yeah, yeah even with the laptops, took us a second. Yeah, so anyway, so Jeroboam, he is given a promise that it almost like a, become like a new Abraham. And mm. Jeroboam immediately commits sins. He builds two golden calves because mm. they want <laughs> the people going up to Jerusalem to worship. Yeah. yeah. And he loses a king. And that's the kind of story of Israel's mm. kingship is that they're constantly kings come up, kings mm. like, yeah. And whereas Judah, it's a lot more stable. There's a continuation <coughs> of the Davidic line. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's and look, it's a question that we asked a few weeks ago with Saul. We're like, well, you know, Saul really at the end of the day committed like, if we're talking like scale of sin, like I don't mm. know, David's sin with Bathsheba was. A yeah. lot worse than what Saul did. But yeah. it seems like David, well, he actually repented. Mm. I guess part of here this is what we call an unconditional covenant of where it's not reliant upon David's actions, so speak, like mm. God's, my you know, love will oh, never, my leave love, you'll never be yeah. taken away. And so that's the important part of, of this is that regardless of the actions of the sons of David, mm. that the promise will continue. And yeah, this, this, this house of David Your house is verse 16 Your house and your kingdom will endure forever Before me, your kingdom will be established forever mm-hmm. And so, yeah, how that looks And the authors struggle to understand that mm-hmm. Like in the exile, post-exile People are kind of left wondering That's, that's what's cool about um, Yeah, Haggai's signet ring prophecy about throwable. He's just mm-hmm. basically a governor mm-hmm. of like governor of this tiny little province Judah, in the middle of the Persian empire he's really a nobody mm. in the grand scheme of things like you look at his ancestors solomon was ruling the whole world yeah. you know queen of sheba's coming to visit him for wisdom and he's yeah. this dude you know he's just a, a lowly governor and a pretty poor but the point is is that that it's still the line of david is continuing and even to an extent jesus kingship is just utterly radical mm. born in yeah, like, like we think about Christmas, he's born in a manger, um, in Bethlehem, mm. pretty small. To parents that are so poor they have to offer a pigeon, like for his eighth day to be circumcised, which mm. is like what the poor do. Mm. Um, yeah. Grows up in a small town in Nazareth. <laughs> like in fact yeah. uh, does yeah. any good come from Nazareth yeah, Nazareth. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but that's who the son of David is. The kingdom mm. is established through Jesus. And so yeah. And I think that scripture, What, how it operates is it turns the world upside down. Yeah. And David's assumption was, I'm going to build a temple. It's going to be amazing. God's like, no, 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 no. Mm. That's not how I'm going to operate. Mm. And yeah, it gives us these... I guess that's what the book of Samuel sort of been doing, showing us a different type of king mm. of what God wants, which is mm. what, yeah, his law is, which is how even the people he chooses. Well, let's take David. He's the eighth son of Jesse. He's a nobody. Yeah. You know, he's elevated. Yeah, and yeah. so that's what how God operates people look at the outside Mm. God looks at the heart to quote 1 Samuel 16 so Yeah. yeah
0: yeah Small, simple, stripped back. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So good. So good. Um, well, look, we are uh, got a um, yeah, few few more weeks. Well, actually, I should say couple. We only have couple. two more weeks, I think, left, yeah. including uh, if we include our Christmas carols. it's only yeah. two more weeks of, of mm. our Samuel series. So yeah. we're coming near the end of it uh, in the lead up to Christmas. And, yeah, just a reminder, I think, as we do this, that the idea of this, the plan of this, was continuing to look at the way that the book of Samuel points mm. to Jesus. Yeah. So I mean this was this was a bit of an easy, easy one, one. <laughs> but um, the driveway was short to get to the get to the location. Yeah. but I think it is a really helpful challenge for us mm. in wherever we are in the Old Testament to just be asking ourselves, and I think sometimes mm. you know the links are a lot more direct and you know the roots are a lot more mm. <laughs> obvious. Yeah, how is this point preparing, pointing to, jesus um i think it's something that we can get a bit lost in the old testament sometimes um and just i think that can be a really helpful grounding question Mm. to go okay cool in all of this moment how is this pointing towards jesus um so
1: yeah that's a great segue into this week's passage indeed probably the worst one david (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> David and Bashir.
0: Yeah, so you're uh taking us down a down a bit of a journey of uh David's biggest yeah. uh biggest mistake, I suppose, mm, or biggest demise. sin. Yeah. yeah. So um yeah, any any little uh
1: taster for that? Well, essentially it's sort of it's implicitly saying that even David who bought peace is given the prophecy to have a king forever, he's the man after God's heart, even he can fall. And so it's mm. Yeah, and it's kind of that, I guess, question which isn't in the text directly, but we kind of to draw out as readers is like, well, who is meant to be the king of Israel? Who is yeah. supposed to be this anointed one? Because yeah. if it ain't David, if it isn't Solomon, if it isn't Rehoboam, if it isn't you know, any any of these guys, well, who is it? And that's what I guess, yeah, the kind of jump forward. It, it's ultimately kind of pointing us to Jesus. Is mm-hmm. that Jesus is the one who, yeah is without sin. And mm. so, and I think too, what, what David and Bathsheba does is sh- the Bible gives us our heroes warts and all. Mm. It'd be super easy. I will say it course, super easy just to sweep that under the rug. Oh yeah.
0: I mean, like as the King of Israel yeah. and I mean, look, Uriah was, you know, an important person in David's yeah. army, but let's be real, like his word against hers, like he could have just killed Bathsheba as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you really want to cover his tracks. Yeah. But yeah, that story uh, could have very easily, and yeah. you you were saying, you know, we we see it in, yeah, yeah. when when it's retold in chronicles. That yeah, yeah. It's, it's not mentioned. It's, you know, this yeah, moment. they just
1: sort of skip over that part. Yeah, um, yeah, and which actually for me gives like if this was all made up, yeah, you wouldn't add this in. No, uh, it, it kind of shows the validity of scripture. Yeah, the complexity of it. And it's an yeah. incredibly complex narrative, which yeah. is going to leave, yeah, in some ways more questions and answers particularly around the child they have that yeah dies like oh the easy answer is like, oh well foreshadows jesus death i'm like yeah but mm. like there's also an immediate like mm. david's the one who committed the sin not that child and yeah, yeah what so do we do with that yeah i don't know <laughs> honestly that's sort of yeah. the sort of thing that we were left left wrestling with um yeah i think a lot about like global events so like, you know, the stuff that's happening in Gaza or the Ukraine and other places, there's lots of innocent kiddies. Yeah. They're getting bombed and killed. And it's like, well, they didn't, it's not their fault. No. And yeah, it can easily make you, if you're cynical, the belief that God's not real, like if God was so loving, you wouldn't allow this. I May mean, I fall into the, makes me realize the justice and mercy of God and that he's Greater than what I understand, and that Mm -hmm. makes me thankful. Like to use the Old Testament language of his disclosure of Yahweh, Yahweh's um, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, shows his abiding love to a thousand generations. And that's sort of the God that we see in David. When David repents, there's, yeah, he's forgiven, but there's consequences Mm -hmm. for that. And, but then too, from that, we're given, I guess, a great comfort and hope that. David recognises he'll be reunited with that that child one day. Mm. And so, yeah. yeah. So even from that, there's... Because that's the only time in Scripture we get reference to what happens to the, yeah, eternal fate of infants and David's... Yeah, because some people go, oh, he knows that he's going to die one day and join him. It's like, well, it actually makes him happy. Mm. So it's something deeper than that. It's not just, like oh, I'm going to die too one day and we'll kind of hang out together in Sheol. It's like, no, there's something deeper going on. So, yeah. I feel like I've just done the whole podcast. <laughs> no, not at all. The teasers.
0: No, no, no. People are chomping at the bit oh, for more. Yeah. You've left him hungry, mate. <laughs> well, look, so thanks as always for the chat, yeah, man. Thank you, and, uh, thank you
1: for the message. No, nice. very good. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, see you. Bye.